how would you like to get yourself a brand new copy of our free digital enlightened book right now? You can grab yourself a copy. The book includes insights from some of the world's top dot leaders and the core book itself. And once again, you can get yourself a copy at thisisthebook.com. Again, thisisthebook.com. And when it asks for a code near the top of the page in relation to the enlightened book, just use the code BESTEVERU all lowercase and all spelled out, and then you'll have an email come along. Just confirm on that email, and the book will be immediately on its way to your inbox. Enjoy, and I hope you have a magical day. Hi, everyone. This is Shelly, a.k.a. The Phoenix. Are you ready to be motivated, educated, entertained, and inspired? Well, you have come to the right place. Now get your pen and paper ready because you're listening to the newest episode of the Conversations with Passion radio show with your host, Corey Poirier. Hello, everybody. It is Corey Poirier, and it's great to be back with the latest edition of the Conversations with Passion radio show. And I'm really excited to have some return guests today, so guests that we've uh, had on the show before. I'm really excited to have them again. Uh, so we have the uh, the team of uh, Lisa and Nancy, and we have as well Bobby DePorter today. And so, guys, I- I'm really excited to have you here today. I know we're going to have a great conversation about the eight keys of excellence, but I think where I'd like to start, if it works okay for everybody here, and especially for our, our listeners who may be discovering you for the first time, uh, maybe I'll get you to uh, each give a, a little bit of a uh, maybe a background overview or tell our listeners a little bit about yourselves. And I say that I'm thinking that Lisa and Nancy may want to do it as a team uh, since that's how you spend most of your time. So perhaps I'll start. Lisa and Nancy, did you want to take a, a minute or so and, and perhaps introduce yourselves and maybe tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I'll start. I'm Lisa, Lisa Smith, a co-publisher co-radio host and um, marketing director for Big Blend. And Big Blend, uh, we publish two digital magazines that come out bi-monthly. We have Big Blend Radio and TV Magazine. It's our variety publication. Parks and Travel Magazine, which is all about parks and travel. And uh, we also host Big Blend Radio, which, Corey, you've been a part of a number of times and also been in Big Blend Radio and TV Magazine in our Success Express department. Uh, But also uh, with that, we are also ambassadors for the Eight Keys of Excellence, and that's how we connected with Bobby many years ago with her and uh, also Supercamp. And so I do a lot of the, the producing part of the shows and putting guests together, and uh, Nancy is the production queen. Aren't you, Nancy? She's yes. the mom, by the way. We're a mother-daughter team. She's the mom and the boss. <laughs> I get to do whatever's left. Okay. No. <laughs> no, I do a lot of the website I, I, I... work and video work. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Love it. And so, Bobby, how about yourself? Can you tell us uh, a little bit about uh, either your journey or or how you spend your time or a little bit about yourself for our listeners? Yes. Well, I started a program, a youth program called Super Camp. This is our 36th year. I can hardly believe it. And so Super Camp is a learning and life skill residential program that we hold on prestigious university campuses. So we've been at Stanford University for 25 years, and we hold other uh, programs on other campuses. And then we're also in 19 countries right now. So it's really grown from that very first program that we tried as an experiment. And then we've also branched out into schools where we work with uh, schools and school districts, training teachers to be more effective teachers. We work with administrators and do student programs there as well. And foundational to all of our programs is the eight keys of excellence, which are principles to live by, which really have uh, grown and made an impact. We're on a campaign to reach 50 million people with the eight keys of excellence, and we are about 20 million right now, so have a ways to go. But bottom line is I'm a person who's very passionate about teaching and learning, and that's what my life is about. Wow, I love it. And so I'm really excited today to talk about the eight keys of excellence once again, because I know we chatted about it in the past, but it's been quite some time, uh, a number of years, in fact, I believe I believe it might be 
I'm going by memory, but I believe it might be a couple of years at this stage uh, since we last talked about the Keys. So uh, some of our new listeners wouldn't have heard that interview, and some of our previous listeners probably need a refresher. So I think it's, it's perfect timing uh, all the way around. Uh, so, Bobby, since this is, I guess, something that, uh, that you launched uh, a number of years ago, as you mentioned, can you, and I know we'll, we'll go through some of the keys as we go through and, and probably don't have enough time to go through all the eight keys, but um, can you t- give us a bit of an overview uh, to get us kind of started off as to, I guess, what inspired the eight keys from your perspective and, and maybe just, you know, what they are in terms of the impact they can have? Well, the eight keys of excellence, I was really looking at people who are not only successful, but live a life of value and purpose and service. And what are those um, driving universal principles that, that influence people? And so that we came up with them and they, they become, um, we call them principles to live by, and they guide behavior and the, when you incorporate them. So going down them real fast, um, one is integrity. Uh, failure leads to success. Speak with good purpose. This is it. Commitment, ownership, flexibility, and balance. So all those come together. And as we've learned, they, um, when one key comes up, there's usually one or two other keys that are influencing it, and they all work together. Awesome. I love it. So, you know, and, and I guess this is a weird place to start, but I know before that um, we chatted about the keys and, and I asked the question, which I'm not meaning to ask today, but I asked the question, is there uh, one key that's more important than the others? And I know that's an unfair question. Um, so just before we jump right into the meat of things, is it is it fair to say that um, all the keys are equally important, or um, is there is there a couple of the keys that people often forget that are more important? Or where would you, I guess, Bobby, or even from your perspective, Lisa and Nancy, um, are there ones that you feel are more important, or are they all kind of all equally important, I guess? That's a long-winded question, but I'd just like to get your thoughts on it, first of all, Bobby. Well, one is that it's what's going on in your life at the moment, because um they, they seem to appear and come to mind in different times. So it is, they're all equally important and work together. You know, we have different exercises we do. We, we live the keys. They're not just signs on the wall. There's so many schools that has just changed the culture of them. But one of the exercises we do is we take the keys, we have them, they're signs, and each key is a cutout of a key with the name of the key on it. And we do where we... Uh, put them face down and um, people walk around and then pick up a key and you know it's always like when they pick a key it's always the perfect key in that moment of what they need to you know focus on and reflect on at that time in their life love it and so I guess how about yourself Lisa and Nancy do you uh, you know we kind of isolated based on uh, you know Bobby who uh, sort of I guess built the foundation for this so I guess we sort of got our answer there but I'd love to get your thoughts are there is there a key or two that uh, each of you or both of you resonate with because I know you have discussions about the keys on a regular basis so is there a, a key or two that you guys have a soft spot for? Well I think that um, Bobby's really right that the, they're equally important but there are times when you're working on a project or doing something where a certain key comes to mind is like wow I really got to be flexible right now or maybe this is a time where I should think about what I'm going to say before I say it. So there are times when one key can be more important than the other at that that particular time. And then there's also the thing that it's very hard to discuss one key without Mm. talking about another one. Mm. I think also uh, as we travel um, around, Corey, we do a lot of speaking in regards to Uh, connecting community and tourism and that's something really big that Bobby does too about uh, there's the Community Alliance for Youth Success that uh, she has over in Oceanside and what we've found is we we talk about you know how can the community connect with um, you know the tourism leaders and responsible tourism so we look at is your downtown you know functioning um, are you doing the right programs Are, are kids um, running down the streets on skateboards, or I should say skating down the streets, hitting tourists um, and visitors because there's no area for kids. So it's kind of getting, you can't have tourism without the community. And so when we use the eight keys, we go through each key giving examples of, of um, 
excellence, really, and stories of excellence. And one thing that we've noticed is that everything revolves around the integrity key of excellence, that it always goes back to that. Even if you're asking, oh, are you speaking with good purpose, there's that other part of it is, and are you keeping with integrity when you speak? So I find that whenever we're doing our speaking engagements and talking with people, we're always going back to that root, that core of what integrity is, uh, not just on our radio shows, but it always seems to be there. And so, I, you know, I'll, I'll, I think I'll start in the, in the opposite order this time. Uh, Lisa and Nancy, I'll, I'll start with you first rather than uh, keep putting uh, Bobby in the hot seat uh, right from the start. But I, I guess the other thing I'm curious about is why, and I know Bobby shared it for her, but why does it resonate with you guys? Like, why have you taken it upon yourselves to get so, uh, I'm going to say, maybe engrossed by it and, and wanting to share it with so many people and wanting to have an impact by sharing the message of these eight keys? Like, why is this important to you guys? Well, to, number one, it is, a, you know, a guiding sense of, of principles. So you start to really live them. And I remember when Bobby came on our show, she's been on our shows for over 10 years now, and when they were, this was the topic was the eight keys and because she was always talking about education and she's like well we should look at each key and then it was like wow this is really amazing and we got more into uh, their their project too which is a free family program and also through travels and and visiting especially some of the smaller communities that we go to we started to really realize that there's the kids need that extra help. They need to understand how to make decisions, to think for themselves, have confidence. And also, just even through all the radio shows we do, we understand that there is a problem with um, kids not having that confidence level. And uh, this was definitely a path where families, because it's a free program, can go in and have that dialogue, have that conversation. And once kids start to do this, they really start to flourish, and we've had the privilege of going to different schools with Bobby and even interviewing parents and kids um, who have been through super camp and also who have really adopted the eight keys into their family's um, household and just seen the the amazement, like how, when I say flourish, I really mean it, and just even talking with people about the eight keys, it reminds us of why we're here, you know, adults and business owners and entrepreneurs, uh, community leaders, when we start to talk about it with them, you can see this change and this, this, you know, yeah, what am I doing with my life? You know, it's so easy to get distracted. For me personally, it just keeps me on track. And every day I wake up, are you doing this with integrity? Are you speaking to people with good purpose? Are you going to get upset because you made a mistake or are you going to treat that as a lesson? It just makes things move smoother towards the greater accomplishments in your life. And, then and from, I guess. From my, uh, oh, go ahead. Okay. Yes, please, Nancy. Nancy okay, I was just going to quick. That's okay. I was just going to quickly add that we have done a number of seminars about tourism and bringing a community together. When you're talking about boosting their economy through tourism, we found early on that we had opposing viewpoints in, in the room. And one of the things I noticed right away was we needed some kind of tool to get people on opposite sides of the fence to be able to communicate and actually listen to each other. And the eight keys just slid right on in there and really helped us with that process of calming people down and saying, okay, well, let's look at why you like this, why you don't like this, and bringing in the eight keys as a way to um, have open and honest communication without people walking away angry. So I find it very valuable for that. It, it's not just for children. It is for adults as well, in my viewpoint. And so, Bobby, not that it has to be about, uh, you know, measuring uh, in terms of what kind of impact something's having, but I know that we had um, – Kevin Sorbo, the actor who uh, played uh, Hercules and was an Andromeda. And he has a, an after-school program, I believe it was, and he was telling us um, his sort of success ratio based on a study they did after people, students uh, attending, uh, at-risk youth essentially attending his programming. And I know with Junior Achievement, years ago we did interviews with Junior Achievement, and you know that's a group, I'm not sure if you're familiar with them, but um, they're a group that basically helps junior achievers, so helps young adults learn about running a business, 
And what they found was that people that spent, I think it was two years in junior achievement, would jump up by as much as two grade points. So from like, let's say, uh, a D to uh, a B, if we we're talking just, you know, straight <laughs> marks in school, uh, or I guess that could be maybe a 60% to an 87%. Um, so I guess w what I'm driving at with all of that is, is there some tangibles in terms of, uh, in terms of what you've seen as results, or uh, or is it more in the way of what you've seen, as Lisa and Nancy were saying, just witnessing the change and impact in people's lives? We have both, actually. You know, the social-emotional can get tricky to actually uh, measure <laughs> with different things. So, um, one, I'll start with the schools and the community that we're working with. We had our local district, Oceanside, where I live in California, um, adopt the eight keys and did a, a, a committed year where all the leadership got together every month and said, what are the strategies that we are using? Let's share ideas. What are the results? And at the end of that year, their uh, sus uh, office referral and re suspensions went down by 50%, which is huge. And not only, you know, um, suspensions going down by that number, you know, schools get paid by students being in school, so it saved over $120,000 to the district just with the reduction in suspensions. So you get down to hard numbers there. Then you get to super camp where they're learning, learning and life skills, the eight keys of excellence and other communication, relationship, and how to be better learners. And that the, the grade point average the following year has gone up a half a grade point average, and those with and below has been a full grade point. But then there's also increases in confidence and motivation and those types of things. So, but, you know, it's like when uh, parents send us their children to go to super camp and they look at, okay, this is going to increase their grades you know, and confidence. And afterwards, what we hear back from parents is that the child feels better about themselves. And that what is so important is like that shift in them feeling you know, that I feel good about who I am. I know who I am. And we're hearing from students that, you know, there's so many assumptions that they just pick up things rather than being specific, taking the time, you know, to teach it to them and having students really embrace it, create a strong core, and then have that shift about how they feel about themselves. And when that happens, everything in their life happens you know, they, they become self-motivated and, and study and have better behavior because they want to, not because somebody told them to and they feel like they have to, you know, for a grade or a mark. It's like that shift of self-motivation is, I think, just really the key and what all parents, all community members would want. So I guess then the the other side of it, uh, you know, and, and one of the things that I noticed, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Bobby, but um, when I was going through the website again, I noticed uh, quite a few thought leaders, some we've had on the show, in fact, um, sharing their thoughts about excellence. And so my two-part question, it, it, was that something that those thought leaders and experts came on board uh, in relation to the eight keys of excellence because they wanted to talk about the importance of it? Um, and, and if so, I guess, um, did you ever hear any feedback as to why this was important to them? Well, it's important to them because um, they want to make a difference. They are making a huge difference in the world, and they want to support efforts to make a difference in the world. And so that's why they stepped up, because they believe in it. Some of their children had been to super camps and that they saw the difference that the eight keys of excellence were making. And so then to step up and speak about it was to spread it so that more people knew about it. And I guess the other side, too, uh, you know, if I, if I go back for a minute to uh, Lisa and Nancy, I know that you, and we talked about this in the show in the past, you guys were doing your, your tour that you were on for quite some time. Mm -hmm. And... Can you guys talk to that in terms of the eight keys? I think I believe you took that on the tour as well and talked about that at various points in the tour. Is that correct? Yeah, as we, as we traveled to different communities, it just we started to see. Well, the, not only did the business owners and um, you know some of the tourism destination management 
you know, folks say, you know, we need help here, we need help here. And we were seeing things that could be improved in our country from traveling and understanding, like, you know, from customer service to um, how clean the rooms are in a hotel to um, how the dialogue of a community was. And, and more importantly, was really the dialogue of a community. And you would go into a town and maybe go talk to a restaurant owner. They've, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to, I'm not, I'm speaking as with good purpose as I can here. And they'll say, oh, you want to go here, but don't go here. This person, da, 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 da. So this, this gossipy thing would happen. And, and that's really kind of out of line when you look at a place wanting to uh, do better in tourism and increase their economics. And so we could see a lot of backbiting happening in certain communities. And, and, and so we realized, well, let's talk about how everyone can work together. And that's what we started. We're talking about smart partnering for tourism success. And the smart part being uh, doing it environmentally uh, conscious and uh, environment conscious. So like you're inviting birders and historians into a community, but you're not going to get anywhere unless you're looking at your infrastructure, your school systems, uh, what are you doing with your uh, families. If the families don't have places to have a safe spot, then neither do the visitors. So it really gets into this dialogue, and that's really all we are is a spark. You know, as we travel, we kind of get people to think and um, create their own systems. But the eight keys, like Nancy was saying earlier, really helped in getting people to have that dialogue without that backbiting that was going on. So uh, we're still traveling. We're still on the tour. We just have to have a home base because we really need good Internet for what we do. Uh, and we still go around speaking about it individually and then also to groups. But the other thing we did was collect stories of excellence, and that's something we're still doing as we travel. We do videos where people share stories about uh, the different eight keys, and uh, that's something we're really into doing because we know that people can connect with a story and instead of being, you will do this, you know, you will speak with good purpose. <laughs> we don't want to do that. Yeah, and the other thing we, we found when we were doing our seminars and when we do seminars is it's fine to to gather people, get input from everybody and look at what a community needs, but it's even better to hand them a tool they can work with to mm. get them started and say, okay, so you need this, this, and this. And 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 say okay, bye. Now we can say try this, try that. Use this. Use the eight keys so that you can communicate with each other. I, that's the biggest thing that I really noticed was the inability for some people to communicate with other people, even though both parties would benefit. And I find the eight keys a real. Um, it's a real way of putting two people together who normally cannot seem to communicate and let them see that they can communicate and they can both benefit. So now I, I guess the other thing that I'm curious about, and, and Bobby, I guess I'll pose this question to you, but I'd love to get uh, opinions on this, Lisa and Nancy as well. But this, the whole failure leads to success. And I, mm. uh, anybody who's listened to our show over time, knows that I'm a big believer in this and a big advocate of this, but it seems that, and, and I'm just talking out loud, but it seems that there's been a push in recent years, and best way to say this is to say that um, everybody, you know, gets a trophy. Um, there's, you know, not as many opportunities to embrace failure. Failure may be seen as a, as a negative to some people. Um, I say all this, I'm not, I'm not really even saying, you know, to, to look at it and say, is there somebody that's doing something wrong here or anything like that? Um, but what are your thoughts, Bobby, on the importance of people being able to fail and understand that failure isn't sort of the end of the journey or rope? I know. I think that's one of the most important things uh, youth can learn, people of all ages, but especially when you're in school and you're feeling like I'm a failure every time you make a mistake versus no, that's information that you're getting. So we say uh, the definition of failure leads to success is learn from mistakes and view failures as feedback that we need to learn, grow, and succeed. And so that is a huge, huge shift and that it builds uh, failing and learning, builds strength. It, um, it also gives them where they have the 
uh, willingness to go try again, go try again, go try again, instead of I tried and I failed, I'm a failure and I'm embarrassed and I'm not going to try again. So we know that the most successful people in the world are usually the ones that have failed the most. They just fail and learn, fail often and learn and move forward. So that is really huge. And and why I feel so connected to that key too is because it's about how a child feels about themselves. There's so much damage that happens, I think, when they get the red check marks and they feel like I'm a failure and it's personal to them versus, you know, I might need different learning strategies. I might need to learn a different way. I might need to put more effort into it. And effort's a big one, too, you know, because we focus on effort. You know, that we, we have a saying sometimes when we're doing teacher training to look at the teachers and say, would you be happy if 100% of your students gave 100% effort every day? You know, it's nothing about that they scored great, you know, on on any particular or have a straight A grade or any of that. But when they're working hard, putting in effort, you know, failing and moving on and learning and doing it differently next time, that's huge. Absolutely. And so, Lisa and Nancy, I'd love to get your thoughts on this as well. Well, I think the the failure thing in life is, I mean, everybody's going to have those times. And I think it's especially hard with children because there's so many people who are um, able to pass an opinion on, on whether they tried or they didn't. Did they try hard enough? Um, do they have the ability to do what they tried? And it's so easy to forget when you're talking to children that they're not adults because they are really in some ways little adults. And you can crush their dreams so easily. I mean, for example, if teacher uh, says, okay, you got a minus D, and there's a lot of red checks, and she doesn't say, but I know you try, but great effort. Let's get together and see what we can do to fix this. Um, if she just does minus D or he says minus D, then when the parent sees the paper, it could go even worse because now the parents are like, oh, well, you didn't even try. Look at this. What's wrong with you? And most of the time, the stories we we have researched when we're writing for the magazine and such, every single one of the people was told somewhere by either their parents or a teacher that they would never, ever be able to do mathematics or never learn to read or they'd never be able to play uh, football. And they have exceeded on at the very things they were told they could never be able to manage. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the the idea of telling somebody or... Uh, when you the person who has temporarily failed um, feels bad enough as it is, they don't need somebody else to come along and and make it worse. So mm-hmm. I like to ski because, man, I know I have messed up a lot. Me too. I'm good at it. I'm 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 perfecting it. And I think yeah. it's such a huge huge key because there's the 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 childhood side. There's the adult side. I look at it as an important part of learning our history and to fix things in our country and around the world. There are, you know, from doing our tour of going into national parks and wildlife refuges, and um, we see a lot of history. And I know, Corey, you've just come back from Boston area where there's a lot of history, and you start to see where as human beings, we messed up over here, but now we need to fix this. And um, I've learned a lot about land management and wildlife management, and I don't even like the word management of, of that because it should all be wild and free as far as I'm concerned, but it's not the way it is. And I just believe that if we don't learn that failure leads to success and that making mistakes is part of the process, um, then we're going to continue arguing with each other instead of solving things. And I look at what the world is going through and pointing fingers and pointing fingers and if you couple this with a speak with good purpose key, we can learn how to fix things in, in our country, whether it's on a cultural perspective, a, a land perspective, climate change, um, all of these issues that we have to get through. Um, it's the quickest way for society to stop pointing fingers and move on and make a plan and, and solve things and, and create new things. Wow, I I love that and and agree completely. And as we start to wind down, though, I wanted to and and I kind of mentioned I was going to probably do this, but we might not be able to go through all eight. 
But there's a couple of the other ones that really speak to me. Uh, and as you said as well, Bobby, that they speak to us at diff- different times. So this one, first one really speaks to me right now. And I think it's speaking to a lot of people and it's the key related to this is it. So making the most of every moment. And now, obviously, I, I, there's a component of having a positive attitude, but I'm thinking right now about the present moment awareness side of it. At a time when it seems like we are, I'm going to say, and I'm going to speak in generalized terms, but constantly distracted, um, how important do you feel it is, Bobby, and, and I'm posing this question to you first, um, but how important do you feel it is for us today, more than maybe ever before, to try to take some of that power back and, and be in the moment? at a time again where there's more things pulling for our time and distracting us than ever before. Yes, there is. I mean, you get the most done when you're focused on the present moment. It's amazing what you can do when you are thinking about one thing. You know that multitasking is really, you know, impossible that it's you can do it in split seconds, but to focus your attention. Also that there's not fear and worry when you're right into that uh, present moment. Well, fear comes when we think about the past or the or the future. So when we stay in the present, that's where the power is. Now, you know that we we teach students also how to, you know, sit up and take deep breath and focus on what it is that you want and then just focus your eyes and you're in the present moment and you're working on something. And it's also um looking it's taking responsibility as well. Okay, are there things that I need to do or change um, and support? Because uh, there's also that um, of feeling good about yourself and and what you're committed to, and that is, you know, taking uh, action on what that that you believe in. So I think all of that all comes together again. It's all things coming together because this is it. Is about that present moment. But it's also um, being of service and seeing what you need to do because that's what gives us fulfillment in our life as well. And, you know, I I know we've talked about this, Lisa and Nancy, on the show in the past. I know we've both talked about this. You uh, had me on talking about creating an A-plus customer experience way back in the day and how to get standing ovations Mm. from every customer from a customer service perspective. And one of the tips that I provided, and I know I I think I offered it as well in the write-up that we did for the magazine, one of those keys for me, those five steps, if you will, or five keys to getting that standing ovation was about being in the moment. And, Mm -hmm. you know, today at a time, again, where the distractions take place, it's not abnormal for me to go into a store and have somebody typing on their phone while I'm waiting for them to wait on me and then to say, I'll be with you in a minute and keep on typing on the phone. So, you know, I know we chatted about it and I know we had a great dialogue about it, but what are your thoughts on the importance of being present moment today? I I think it's super important. And number one, do it through meditation really helps too. (laughs) Just on meditating centers us for us. I'll take it from our radio show side being present in the moment, Nancy and I have these, you know, conversations on a daily basis on improving, um, getting better, what we do, all these great, you know, how how can we save time and all of these things? Who do we want on shows, you know? We have a wish list of people and, you know, then we go, oh, there's a list. And, you know, there's these moments where we'll be talking and we'll just say, well, just, just go invite that person. I'll just go do it. And some of my musical heroes have been on our shows because, it was like, don't wait, do it today, and um, that's that that is, is part of that. This is it. Live in the moment because to me, it's just don't keep saving it for a rainy day because sometimes that day may never come. I don't know for you, Nancy. I was, you know, to me, I always think of when they think this is it. I think about athletes. If you're if you're playing baseball and the ball is coming at you, and you're supposed to swing that bat, and you look at somebody behind you, you're going to miss the ball. And if you don't shop for the game, you've missed everything. So to me, this is it, is you're either present or you're not. And I I think athletes are a, a real good example of understanding that key, because if your mind isn't on what you're supposed to do in that second, you're going to lose. Mm-hmm. You're going to lose point, lose the game. You know, you're going to let your team down in a way. So I think for this is it, you owe it to yourself and to whatever project or whoever you're working with to be present. 
So my last, I'm going to say, official question, of course, the unofficial question is going to be how we can learn more about the eight keys and how you know, we can, as, as listeners saying, maybe they want to, uh, they feel this is something they want to bring in uh, to an organization they're with, or maybe they want to send their, their children there, um, you know, to maybe one of the camps. But for those people, before we get there, for those people that are, you know, that are maybe listening to these keys and seeing how they could help their children or even themselves, uh, one of the ones that I think speaks to a lot of people as well, or at least it speaks to me, and I know whenever I speak to audiences, sometimes they don't like to hear this, but afterward they thank me for talking about it and going there, is the ownership key. And, and so what I'm driving at here is the idea of taking responsibility for our own actions and realizing that um, the results that you're getting, what you know, the end, end result that you have, the who you are today was probably because of the choices you made all along the way or over the last couple of years. That's a hard pill for a lot of people to swallow, especially if they're not happy where they're at right now. I find when somebody's happy where they're at, they're more than happy to take ownership for the actions mm-hmm. and take responsibility. But whenever it's not maybe the outcome they want to have and, and where they're at right now, they're not happy with their spot in life. That's not as easy for, I think, a lot of people to sort of, again, swallow that pill. Um, but at the same time, again, Bobby, you've, you've invested a lot of time into this. You've worked with a lot of people on this. Um, can you talk to that in terms of why is it important for us to take responsibility for our actions or understand that we do get to actually, in a lot of ways, um, decide what our life is going to look like in five years' time or tomorrow? Yes. Well, one of it is um, – <laughs> kind of selfish and what's in it for me is you just feel better about yourself when you take ownership because if you're not taking ownership you're probably blaming or justifying um, denying behaviors and so I love the line own the choices you make and the results that follow that is so powerful and I always say that the power is in taking ownership if you made a mistake or you said something that wasn't appropriate to somebody else and you feel bad about it, if you step right up to them and acknowledge it and take responsibility not only for what you did but the impact. Of course, we have something, too, there we talk about, you know, asking the person what can I do to make it right, you know, so that you're taking responsibility that way as well. But it gets down to at the bottom of the day when you take ownership and take responsibility for your actions, you feel good about yourself and also with others People will trust you. People trust people that are willing to take ownership for their actions. Mm. So I guess if I pose the question to either yourself or or both, Lisa and Nancy, in terms of – I'll pose it in a different way, a little bit different way. Uh, In terms of yourselves, is there a time um, whenever you can, you know, you can think of that – it was not that easy sort of to take responsibility for the actions or not wanting to take ownership, but you realize that it was something based on the decision you made. Like I'm just thinking emotionally because, you know, when you guys go through the keys, I'm sure there's times you say, I'm I, trying I to pick which one, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going back to childhood going, how many, like, yeah, you know, there's a lot of times I needed to take ownership for what I did. And it, yeah, I mean, Especially because I was a little prankster, you know. I was just—I I call it having a creative mind. But, but see, I'm already not taking ownership. See, but no, no, I think you—you you take ownership when, you know. It, I'll, this is a good one. Um, you know, we messed up on one thing. It was my fault. Um, I messed up on someone's ad size and took ownership immediately the day of. Nancy was able to fix it within. With the, by the time I had already taken ownership with with her client, she had already fixed it. But at that point, we made it even better for our client. And through that, taking ownership of a mistake that I had made, we've we have a really good, pretty much a long relationship, and mm-hmm. and it has built more trust. Just like what Bobby was saying, but. I hate to say that, but I did make a mistake on someone's ad, but we fixed it. <laughs> I thought I was perfect, but apparently not. <laughs> it, it, Good thing to know, put it, out there it, on it, national radio. <laughs> <laughs> or internet, well, you know, me. It, you know, it, but it's interesting when you say that because, you know, I think about what I used to be, and I know I shared this in the show before, in your show, but I used to be in the office equipment industry, so I used to sell office equipment. Uh, what people would mostly recognize uh, the name of would be, say, photocopiers. 
So I, I sold photocopiers, fax machines, printers, what have you. And it's interesting when you mention that because what was I found is that if I had a client, now this isn't necessarily, it, it's sort of, I think it's taken ownership of the problem. Uh, it's not necessarily maybe taking ownership of a decision, but I would send it a piece of equipment. And I've had some times where they would get a lemon, like legit get a lemon, just like buying a car and get mm-hmm. a lemon. And yep. they had yep. had that before in the past and just kind of felt, you know what, I'm stuck. I made the decision. I signed a lease on this equipment or whatever the situation was. And so for me, what I did was I would go back and fight because we had um, this agreement. They, we called it the it works or it walks uh, warranty agreement. And we, we sold customers based on this. And what, essentially what it said is if this piece of equipment isn't working the way we promised it would be, anytime in the first five years, then we would replace it with at least a like-for-like machine. And so we had this, and, and we didn't have to use it very often. So the few times that we did, I went and fought, even if it took me weeks, and even if the branch manager was so sick of me by the end of it, I'd fight for the customer. And I have to say that the testimonials that got me more sales, and this was, I, was just, I asked customers, I surveyed them, that got me more sales were the ones that I had where people said, you know, Corey sold me a piece of equipment, um, we found out that there was something wrong with it or however we worded it, but basically they would word the testimonial however they wanted. And essentially they were saying he sold me a piece of equipment, not his fault, not the company's fault, but it was a lemon. And I figured I'd be stuck, but here's what he did to make the problem go away. And mm. the taking ownership of that situation or problem, even if it, whether it was my fault or not, it, it, that I, like you just said about building a long relationship, well, those customers became my strongest, most loyal customers. They were the ones that told other people, you got to go buy from him. And their testimonials are the one that sold more piece of equipment because I think so many people are used to, I buy something from somebody and if it doesn't work, they pass the buck and just keep trying to avoid exactly. it. Exactly. Exactly. So I think, I think you know, that it's maybe a different extension, but. You know, just, I think oh, that, um, you know, taking ownership has a lot to do with whether or not you understand failure leads to success. Mm-hmm. So if you don't understand that it's okay to make a mistake, then you're never going to take ownership. That's I see those keys as really being closely linked. So if you understand it's okay to make a mistake, then it's also okay to say I'm sorry. I you know I did do this. I did it wrong, or I said it wrong, or however, and and take ownership for failing in that regard. But if you don't understand that failure leads to success, then you're not going to take ownership. Love it. And I have to say, this brought something in front of mind. I actually just, this is so current. And like you said, Lisa, it's probably not something I should share (laughs) so openly, but that's who I am, so I will. Uh, But I just actually, a talk that I delivered this week, this past week, so I guess last week, was uh, I, I delivered the talk and it went off without a hitch, but previous to starting, there was, I guess, the dialogue it, through various different emails. Uh, in two spots out of maybe 15 emails, it said, bring your own laptop. But at the same time, what uh, we had to send in the PowerPoint, and they had to design it all around their colors and flavors, and they said, we want it to keep running before you get in the room. So my take from that was, okay, well, you, you're already going to have it running before it gets there. So for the first time in 15 years as a speaker that I can remember at all, I felt so great to walk out of the out of the hotel with no laptop. I showed up Uh-oh. at the client site so excited to say, "Wow, this is so freeing to be able to walk in without having a backup." Now I had I had emailed it to myself and I had a USB in the car, so I technically always have a backup. But it felt good to be able to kind of walk in and not have to be carrying all the stuff with me. And I got into the room and I I looked at the screen and it was blank. And I noticed walking by other uh, rooms that their, their PowerPoint was up. So I said, oh, um, who am I supposed to get to put the PowerPoint up? <laughs> and, and the lady said, what do you mean? Uh, you're supposed to do it yourself. I said, oh, well, do you know where, you know where I find a connection or is the laptop already in the room? And she said, what do you mean? She said, no, it's on your laptop, isn't it? And it all came rushing to me really quickly. And to make a long story very short, uh, we were able to work it out, and what happened was they had a lap. They had a room where they had some laptops in case, but everybody was kind of panicking. I wasn't because I- I'd been there before, and and I felt confident we'd have the solution for it. But uh, the client, the one that booked me, who wasn't there in the room at this point, came up after the talk and sort of chewed me out. And 
I had to take ownership. I took ownership for the um, to the person that was setting up the projector and everything, and he was great to deal with. He didn't mind at all. He was just like, I was more worried for you. But I had to take ownership with him. But also when the client came up to chew me out, by the time she was done, she said, thanks, God. I just wanted to get it off my chest. Now, you know, let's talk about other stuff. But the truth is if I would have got my back up and started fighting with her, which is I think what she expected I would probably do, then, you know, obviously mm-hmm. it would have turned into a sour relationship. It would have hurt the future potential and everything else. But I had to take ownership because it was all on me. And she came up to show me the two spots where it was noted in the email. But I went back and saw that for myself. But, you know, a great example of the idea that we make mistakes and, and you know, it's up to us to own up to it. And, and I just had this happen last week. It's an example of the power of taking ownership because if you had tried to justify it, it would just be going a different direction. Oh, she was, I think, like I said, she was ready for me to try to justify it and try to battle and say, no, you know, you guys sent too many emails or something else, some way, you know, for me to try to kind of say it wasn't on me. And, and just the vibe I got is that's what she thought was going to happen. Because like I said, what she said, okay, now that we got this out of the way, now that I got it off my chest, God, it was almost like, um, you know, let's battle this out as I think what she thought I was going to do. And, and I knew it was on me. I knew it was my fault. So I had no choice but to take ownership, but I agree with, with, um, you know, Bobby, I'm sure you've seen it many times. I agree that it's it's not easy to take ownership, and there's a lot of times in that situation where a person would just start saying, you know what, you're not going to tell me what I did wrong, and then the battle begins. Yes, it does, and that's not the direction you want to go. <laughs> not at all, and and I guess the the great part about this, and and as we like I say, bring things to a close, you can let me know your thoughts on this. But the great part about this, as I was looking through the keys again and doing a refresher for myself, and perhaps even in this one way, similar to what I've learned in kind of the, I I share often the five timeless secrets, I call them, uh, that I've learned in interviewing influential leaders. And what I've seen with the keys here, which are so similar in this one way to what I've learned with all these interviews, and I think it's the greatest part of it all, is almost every one of these, and I'm re-looking at them again right now, but almost every one of these, you can literally make the change tomorrow. If you're not doing them well now, you can start tomorrow without any financial investment, uh, without having to be from a certain lifestyle or family or certain background. Literally tomorrow, you can start implementing these and making changes in relation to each of these keys. Would would you agree with that, Bobby? Yes, absolutely. And it is, um, we talk about building that core inside, just making the uh, decision that I'm going to live the eight keys and, and creating that core. So then when... Um, conversation or a situation comes up, you know who you are, you know what your principles are, and that guides what you say and what your reaction is. So it's really freeing to have those eight keys living inside of you and become who you are. Love it. So I, I guess now that we bring things to uh, to a close, or as, as, uh, you know, as we kind of finish things off, Lisa and Nancy, maybe I'll start with you. I, I mentioned that I wanted to let our listeners know how they can learn more. And, you know, I think uh, what you're doing with Big Blend as well, in addition to the eight keys, I believe there's so much in what you're doing that can help people, you know, in terms of how they can make changes in their life, teach them how they can have an impact, put smiles on their faces, whether it's entertaining or inspiring them. So can you tell us how they can learn more about the show and the magazines and all the great work you're doing for those who might want to explore a little bit further? Well, thank you, Corey. Um, appreciate your words there. And um, also, uh, just, you know, we do a lot on the eight keys. We have a show pretty much every month, almost every month, uh, where some th- we're doing something about the eight keys. There's not a, I think even a, every other interview, somehow it comes up because um, we do a lot on parenting too. But it, the best thing to do is to go to blendradioandtv.com. And uh, we have a series in both of our magazines, believe it or not, Parks and Travel magazine. You know, we were talking about failure leads to success in our December-January issue. We're going to be covering um, inventors and national park units that you can go to and see that are named after inventors of our country, like the Wright brothers and uh, Thomas Edison and, and people like that, so that we can teach you know people, hey, go to the places where people learned about how to, that failure leads to success. So we have a feature in each of our magazines, uh, Big, uh, Big Blend Radio and TV magazine. Our current issue now uh, for the winter holiday issue is on 
balance, which is a good one for everybody, especially going into the new year, to remember to live your best life. And uh, so we have that. Uh, so best thing to do is to just go to blendradioandtv.com. We post all our upcoming shows, our past episodes there, so you can uh, go online, uh, type in eight keys, and you'll find everything. Thank you. Awesome stuff. Oh, my pleasure. And thank you. And, and Bobby, uh, how can we learn more about the eight keys or, or reach out to you or connect a little further? For the eight keys and join our campaign to reach 50 million people um, living the eight keys is go to eightkeys.com. I mean, sorry, .org, eightkeys.org. And on there are family programs, and you just sign up, and there are activities and conversations um, for the family. And I guarantee anybody that goes through that and has those conversations and activities that it'll be better relationship and better communication in the family. So really recommend that as well as for Supercamp, it's supercamp.com. So that is where they can find out about the programs that are coming up this summer for middle school, high school, and college-age programs. And just uh, to make sure that I, I give it to them properly uh, in both our notes and, and even in the email I send it about this, uh, it's eight keys, the, it's the number eight, and then the word keys, pluralize.org, is that correct? That's correct. Well, that's all, folks. That's another great show with a few great concepts and ideas that might be just what you need to get your ball rolling. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'd like to thank a few people for helping make this show possible. IB Trade Show, go to ivtradeshow.com. Engaged Leadership, go to in-engaged.ca. Permadry, guaranteed solutions for leaky basements, go to permadry.com. Sites and Bytes, your site for great service, sitesandbytes.ca. Oxford Learning, never stop learning, go to oxfordlearning.com. SmileDog, your receptionist, go to smiledog.ca. Thanks again for tuning in. On behalf of Corey Poirier, I am Marco Kelly, and this has been Conversations with Passion. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.